I was working with a couple the other day, and in this particular case, it was a traditional male and female heterosexual couple. But the wife was trying to bring some of her fears and frustrations to her husband. And she was complaining because her husband was just unable to really hear her. And what she described was that as she would approach, she saw that he would immediately sort of get defensive and that he would dismiss or downplay or pacify whatever concerns she might have. And she went on to state that these were true of anything she tried to discuss in the relationship itself, as well as anything that just might have happened to her outside the relationship, but that she noticed this pattern building up where every time she would come to her partner and try to express her fears, worries, anxieties, or sadness, that this partner would dismiss them. In other words, he was not emotionally available, and he was not engaged or responsive to what she was feeling. And as we dug down into this a little bit more, what we began to recognize is a lot of times, whatever it was she was feeling when she came to him was sort of wrapped around anxiety, since that was a lot of what she was feeling, worry, fear, anxiety. And she was feeling that as she approached her husband and tried to discuss these things. And what was happening for the husband in this particular case was that he was sensing this anxiety, and he doesn't like anxiety. He doesn't like to feel anxious. He describes himself as someone who fixes problems and solves them and moves on to the next one and doesn't dwell on the past, so to speak. So his goal was to help her, and I very much believe that that was his motivation, to try to be helpful but he did it in a way that didn't validate at all what her concerns might be. So the pattern would play out where she would come and she would try to discuss something with him and she would feel scared or anxious about it. And he would immediately dismiss it. It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. We'll fix it. Well, that's not really that important right now. We'll take care of that when we need to down the road, so on and so forth. So as a result, over time, what built up for this couple was a pattern of her not feeling heard or understood and him feeling like everything was wrapped up in this anxiousness that wasn't always that big of a deal. And again, it's not that he didn't care about her, but he just saw these things as as solvable and not that big of a deal. And that in some ways she was making too much of it. Well, what we, what we were able to drill down and discuss, and as we pulled back some of those layers of that pattern, was that for him, when she came with his anxiety, it hit him in a way that made him feel, one, he was responsible for her feelings, and two, that it was his job to fix it. And so he immediately felt this pressure, and, and, and his own anxiety started to rise in his own body. And since he couldn't tolerate anxiety, since he didn't have a buildup of tolerance for that, his way of dealing with his anxiety was to dismiss the issue, to pacify his wife, to do whatever it took to deal with his own anxiety that arose in his own body. And this is what I call an emotional allergy where an individual is, is allergic to a certain emotion. It could be 
It could be sadness. Some people grow up in their family of origins, and sadness is just not allowed. We always put on a happy face in our family. We always make sure we're smiling. We always wear a bow in our hair. And and I knew someone like this growing up. A dear friend of mine grew up in a family where sadness wasn't allowed. And, and she always wore a bow, and she always put on a smile, and she always appeared happy until things weren't happy and until things began to really unravel. And so as we discovered this pattern with this couple I was working with, what we discovered was there was an emotional allergy the husband had to anxiety. He didn't like to feel it. He didn't like to tolerate it. And every time it would be transmitted to him from his wife through the relationship, he tried to move away from it. And as a result, it built up a pattern of them not feeling heard or seen by each other. Something similar played out in my own family growing up. My father used to always tell me to calm down. When I would get excited about something, when I would start showing excitement or, or um, uh, you know, be really, really excited about something that was going to happen, like any kid, like around Christmas or whatever, but I can still hear his voice in my head, even at my age as a full-grown adult, you know, calm down, son, calm down. And that's what he would always say to me. And, and I look back now with this understanding of emotional allergies, and I could see where this was something that actually was passed down the family line. His family told him not to get too excited. Why? Because when you get too excited, then the rug could be pulled out from under you. You could be crushed or disappointed in an instant. So just make sure you temper your excitement. Don't get too excited. Always make sure that you are keeping an eye on things that could go wrong. And I wouldn't say my father was a pessimist per se. It's just that he didn't often allow excitement to rise up in him. So that was something that he couldn't really tolerate in me. So again, this is another example of an emotional allergy. And we're going to talk today about what those look like, what they mean, and how we can build up a tolerance to these emotional allergies. So let's get started. Welcome to Trauma-Free Relationship, a podcast that provides support and guidance to help heal the wounds of attachment trauma. Whether you find yourself struggling with unresolved issues in the past or have experienced trauma in your current relationship, our goal is to provide accurate, scientifically informed information as well as the tools to help you create a secure connection between you and your partner. And here's your host, Tom Phil. Okay, as we were talking about here, we're talking about emotional allergies. How is it that we might grow up in a family or we might have some experiences that we then become allergic to a certain emotion? And it could be a positive emotion or a negative emotion, as I gave in the opening of this podcast. A positive emotion was my own family and my own father not being able to tolerate a certain amount of excitement um, and always telling me to calm down and, and sort of um, squashing that excitement a little bit. As well as the other example with a couple that I worked with where he couldn't tolerate anxiety. So he would dismiss or he would downplay whatever might be causing that. So these emotional allergies, whether it's anger, fear, sadness, pain, or even hurt, is something that we can't tolerate. We don't have a, a tolerance for a particular emotion. And so what we do is anytime we come close to that emotion, we then deny it. 
or we sidestep it, or we disassociate, or we downplay it, or we compartmentalize it, or we, um, we do whatever we have to do, and we usually through some def- form of defensiveness in order to deal with this emotion. And of course, certainly trauma can create emotional allergies by all means. We can, we can avoid any kind of triggers that bring about the pain that would cause a re-experiencing of our traumas. And so avoidance is one of the main symptoms of trauma, and it's also one of the main tools we use to avoid any particular emotion that might cause us to face our own fears and what those might mean for our life and our relationships. So one of my favorite authors, Lee McCullough, she called this affect phobias, Affect being just a, another word for emotions or, or feelings. Um, and they largely grow out of our families that, to some degree, all have a restriction on certain emotions. Every family has some kind of emotional restriction. Some families, anger's not allowed. In some families, sadness is not allowed. And so these can be passed down to their children, who then pass it down the line as well. So you have this um, intergenerational transmission of a, an emotion that's just simply not allowed and not tolerated. And rarely have I ever seen in families that this has been verbalized to one another. They don't go around saying, oh, we don't tolerate sadness in our family. Oh, we don't tolerate excitement. It's just the way we respond to one another, the way we respond as parents to our children, that sends the message that this feeling is not allowed. Another quick story, I was working with an individual the other day, and he was telling me about how he grew up in a family, and he was looking for guidance, and, and what was always told to him was, go figure it out. Go figure it out. You'll just have to figure that out. And here he was asking questions and craving some sort of guidance from his parents, and all he got in return is, go figure it out. So, of course, that's what he did. He went through trial and error, and he figured things out. And on one hand, he's extremely proud of that. On the other hand, what that means is that he has not ever really learned how people can show up for him and can help him and can pour into him and can guide him when he needs that guidance. So there is a uber-independence about him, an over-independence, if you will, that I'm on my own. I have to figure these things out on my own because I cannot depend on others. People are not going to show up for me and help me. And so oftentimes I eschew that that need deep down inside of me. I don't even ask for people to show up. I just go and I figure it out on my own. And so there's sort of another example where being able to show up for each other, to help each other in times of need, were not tolerated in his family growing up. So oftentimes the problem comes not from the emotion itself, like sadness or anxiety, but rather it comes from the stories we end up telling ourselves about that emotion. For example, when I said my father didn't tolerate excitement, 
the message I got from that and the story I tell myself is things can go wrong, so don't get too excited because the rug will be pulled out from under you. So don't let yourself feel too much excitement. Keep it tempered. Keep it damped down because at any moment there could be a turn. At any moment something could come out of nowhere and, and you will be disappointed. So we want to make sure we temper our excitement. Even, even if the situation calls for it, we want to make sure we temper our excitement because at any moment things could happen that could take a turn. And so it's not so much the feeling itself oftentimes as it is the meaning that we make of those feelings. And those stories can be wrapped up in negative messages about the self. So stories like, I'm not worthy of love. I'm broken and defective. I can't do anything right. I'm a loser, worthless, or incapable. I'm not valued by the person I value most. Or it's all my fault and I have to fix it. So those are just some of the stories. You can insert your own story there if you reflect on this. When there's an emotion that comes up for you, all emotions have meaning. We tell ourselves a story about those feelings, a story about ourselves and our experiences. So they're not neutral. They're not, they're not narrative-free, if you will. All emotions that come up for us carry messages and meanings with them. And oftentimes when that message, or excuse me, that emotion comes up, it is because it carries a negative message about ourselves. And so it's only natural for us to then want to move away from that negative message. It's only natural for us to be able to throw up barriers or walls or dismiss that feeling because what we're often dismissing with it is the narrative or the story that's wrapped around that particular emotion. So how do we begin to overcome these emotional allergies? How do we begin then to try to build up a tolerance for these emotions and a tolerance for these negative stories so that we can actually stay with our partner and show up for our partner regardless of what emotion, emotions they have? And also, how can we just be more attuned to ourselves and not have this dark corner that we have to avoid in our interior lives? Well, one of the first things I think we have to do is we just have to be able to acknowledge the emotion and give ourselves permission to feel it. We have to be able to recognize that, oh, when I feel anxious, I move away from that anxiety. I dismiss it. I downplay it. I distract myself from that anxiety, from those fears that come up for me because they're really hard for me to hold and they're hard for me to linger in those places long enough to get the real messages that are going on. And so I just immediately go to my protection. I've got my move that works. Maybe I just get busy and I focus on something else. And that really helps me distract myself from that particular emotion and the related meanings of that emotion. So being able to just, first of all, recognize what particular emotion am I allergic to? Is it sadness? Is it an emotion of anxiety and fear? Is it an emotion of joy or excitement? 
because people can have allergies to positive emotions as well if that's what was taught to them in their family growing up. So being able to label and identify that particular emotion when it comes up for you, that you may be allergic to it, and being able to identify the ways that you try to avoid that emotion. That would be sort of the first the first step in, in overcoming your emotional allergy. The second step I would recommend is mindfulness. Now, mindfulness is just simply trying to create a distance between the feeling that you have and the related meanings. So in other words, you allow this feeling to come up and you get curious about it. You don't try to move away from it, but you try to create a space that allows you to look at the feeling that is different from the meanings in a non-judgmental way. A lot of times people have feelings that come up and they immediately judge those feelings. I deal with this all the time in my couples where one person feels bad for their partner, but then they feel bad that they feel bad. So now they're judging themselves for their feeling they're having, which prevents them from even being able to show up emotionally for their partner in those moments because they're judging themselves for even having that feeling. Oftentimes, because it's wrapped, that feeling is wrapped around a, a negative story or a negative narrative about the self. So creating a space between the feeling and the emotional meaning really can help us begin to tolerate the emotion better because we have to learn how to be able to tolerate it in ourselves before we can begin to tolerate it in our partners. So let's get curious about the stories that we're telling ourselves as we experience these emotions. And we need to get curious as to where we learned that story. Where did we pick up that message? Where might that have gotten transmitted to us in past relationships or in our family of origin? Uh, As I told in the beginning of the story, when I look back, I can see my father was always very steady. He never got too excited. He never got too upset. He never lost too much control. He always tried to be rather stoic in his emotions. And as a result, I think he missed out on a lot of joy in life. I think he missed out on a lot of times he could have let himself be excited. But again, as he passed that down to me, and I can hear his voice in my head, Tom, calm down. Tom, don't get excited. Tom, just just calm down. Then, then that message was passed on to me, and it's like, oh, I don't want to get too excited because if I get excited, bad things can happen. And then I'll be super disappointed. As opposed to telling myself a story, you know, it's okay to get excited. It's all right. That's a part of life. And it's also okay to be disappointed. And if I get excited and then something disappointing happens, I can tolerate both those feelings without throwing on this whole layer of judgment about how I shouldn't be feeling those in the first place. And that that if I hadn't just got excited, then I wouldn't now be disappointed. The two aren't linked. The two can very much be mutually exclusive. And so it took me a while to sort of understand that narrative and that story I was telling myself 
and to let myself be okay with being excited about things and to let myself experience and to express that excitement to others. It also allowed me to be able to be more tolerant when other people were excited. When my kids got excited, I allowed them to be excited, to show that excitement, to wiggle and squirm and, and screech or whatever because they were so excited about something. I, I had to learn not to dampen that for them, but rather to have a tolerance of that in my children and my partner, my wife as well. So part of creating a secure attachment means you show up for your partner that you are available, responsive, and engaged regardless of what emotion they are having, which means that we have to be able to tolerate a range of emotions in ourselves. It's really hard to show up and be available and responsive to our partner if they're sad or scared or, 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 or even joyous about something if we can't tolerate those in ourselves. So, Finding what emotion you're allergic to, giving yourself permission to feel it, creating a distance between the feeling and the story you tell yourself about it, using mindfulness and not a non-judgmental approach to experiencing and expressing that can go a long way in creating more tolerance internally and, and more tolerance for a range of emotions so that you then can be able to turn to your partner more consistently when they show up with a full range of their emotions as well. And when we do that for each other in the relationship, then we start creating more safety, more security, more trust, and more resilience. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope this was helpful to you. Again, I really appreciate all you guys tuning in each week. I'm going to keep bringing what I think is really important content to you. Don't be afraid to uh, respond. Let me know what you think about these episodes, what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. And also, don't be afraid to reach out and book a coaching call. I'd love to put some names with some faces and be able to help you guys with any of these concepts that we're discussing. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Trauma-Free Relationship, a podcast for the healing of attachment trauma. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website at traumafreerelationship.com. Be sure to look for our next episode on your favorite streaming service.